0: Yeah, I think it's about podcasting time.
1: Welcome back into TCM pod, Chris Mathis, Spencer Mathis. Glad to be back with you guys once more as we kick off another week right here in the podcast, week two of the NFL preseason. Spencer is, uh, if you guys are not watching on YouTube or Spotify, you're missing out as he tries to adjust the lighting and it makes it look a little bit more questionable, so Uh, We got a lot to get into from the preseason. Uh, Last week, we talked about Anthony Richardson being named the starter with the Indianapolis Colts, of course, the fourth overall draft pick. We've got some more on Anthony Richardson, more on Aaron Rodgers as well with the Jets. But I want to start it off with the Buccaneers and their quarterback situation as they took on the New York Jets on Saturday night. Um, It was one of those situations where we felt like the quarterback, the starter would be named. I felt like either right after the game or on Sunday morning. However, that's not the case whatsoever. Uh, before we get more into that, Spencer, are you a bit surprised that the Bucks have yet to name – that their head coach, Todd Bowles, has yet to name a starting quarterback for week one? I mean, we got one more preseason game left. This team is not a very good polished offense either, and they've got a new offensive coordinator. They're taking away reps from the quarterback, the first quarterback, the guy that should start. We all know that's Baker Mayfield, but they have yet to name that starter. And Bowles told the media on Sunday morning that there's still no timeline regarding when they're going to name a quarterback. So uh, Todd Bowles is, uh, you know, I, I like the man, great man, great defensive coordinator, a questionable head coach. And I, I don't think that anybody would argue with me on that. But Spence, are you a bit shocked the Bucks have yet to name their starting quarterback for week one?
0: Yeah, I'm not surprised that they haven't named the starting quarterback because, it is Todd Bowles, but the, the thing is that I'm more surprised about is the way that they've handled the quarterback competition because we, we've we've learned and we've been told over and over again that it is a true quarterback competition from Todd Bowles himself. And after yesterday's game, whenever – I mean, we had week one. It was Baker Mayfield as a starting quarterback. Trask got to play a little bit in the second half or at the end of the second quarter. And Then this week they announced that Trask would be the starter. So everyone assumed that Baker Mayfield would get some reps in this game, which is important because – He's obviously not a star NFL quarterback or a Paul's quarterback at all at this point in his career right now. So you would have expected Baker Mayfield to get to play at least a little bit. But um, I think in the third quarter, the Buccaneers decided to put in Wolford, their third string quarterback. He ends up getting hurt, and then instead of putting in Baker Mayfield to get some reps, they put in Kyle Trask again. So the thing is, is after the game, Trask had a pretty good had a, had a good game yesterday. Of course, he was going against third stringers, but then again, he was also playing with third stringers. But the thing with that is, is after the game, Todd Bowles said that. The quarterback competition is still going. Um, the plan was for Baker Mayfield to play at some point yesterday, but I just don't see where they would have played uh, Baker Mayfield in that game. I think, I, I really think that was just a, a diversion from the fact that Baker Mayfield will be named the starting quarterback this week. Um, I'd probably say right before the final preseason game. And I don't think it's a competition anymore. I mean, obviously. Kyle Trask has made progressions as, as a quarterback in the NFL, but you would also expect that coming from a quarterback that's going into his fourth NFL season or third NFL season um, in Tampa Bay. So you, you kind of expect him to make the improvements that he's made after two years sitting behind Brady, and he's still not the starting quarterback. So obviously not good enough yet for Trask, but I think Baker Mayfield is a guy just based off of the fact that he didn't play at all in the second preseason game, and you usually don't see that for a guy that's actually in a true quarterback competition.
1: Yeah, and obviously you mentioned the injury to Wolford, the quarterback there. I believe from Wake Forest, the third-string guy for the Buccaneers, and he's looked pretty good. I thought he looked pretty good in that preseason game on Saturday night against the Jets. I mean, all things considered, QB3 on the roster, he was making some good throws. I don't know. I mean, there's a big drop-off between him and number 2. However, he was consistent at least, and I liked what I saw from John. However, did suffer an injury, and then you're thinking – Okay, is Baker really going to go out there? Is Kyle Trask going to go out there? They put Kyle Trask out, out back out there. And after the game, Trask had spoken and said that he didn't expect to play in the second half. Didn't even bring his helmet out after halftime out of the locker room to come back to the field because he's like, "Oh, my job's done. I played pretty decent." Um, a lot of people on Twitter they love the way Kyle Trask played. I thought he played pretty good. I didn't think it was great or sharp. I thought it was that was pretty good. Um but I mean, he didn't even expect to play whatsoever there in the second half. And they actually told the trainers actually told the equipment manager, I believe it was actually told Baker Mayfield to grab Trask and helmet and bring one out just in case. So um, Baker Mayfield comes back out. And uh, next thing, you know, Kyle Trask goes into the ball game. And what also kind of baffled me regarding this situation is Todd Bowles after the game also talked about the fact that Kyle Trask was still warmed up, even though they went into halftime and, He was warmed up and ready to go for the second half. But then in in Trask's press conference, he's like, yeah, you know, it was kind of different to go out there cold. I was not warmed up. And I'm thinking, man, these stories are not aligning. And sure, it was only a 15, 20-minute halftime in which Trask quit throwing the football because he was in the locker room. But still, whenever you're playing a first half and you're not a guy that starts a lot, doesn't play a lot of time, taking that 15, 20-minute break is a big cool-off period for you. And uh, the fact that – Bowles said that he was, you know, obviously he was more I don't even know. I don't know if he was more warmed up than Baker Mayfield because at that point they're both they're both cold. So um the fact that Kyle Trask went back out there, that told me all I needed to know about this quarterback situation. The competition is over with. I fully expected after the game, I thought after the game in that press conference following the game that Bowles would say, hey. You know, we've made our decision. Obviously, uh, we respect and appreciate Kyle and what all he's done so far. He's just going to keep grinding. You never know when your opportunity will get here, Kyle. And if he didn't name him after the game, which would have been okay, I thought Sunday morning he would have said, hey, as you guys would imagine, Baker Mayfield's our guy. Nope, no timetable for the Bucks quarterback to be named. Interesting to me because I think even Kyle Trask – and I put out a tweet yesterday, and it, it really blew up. It's got like 90,000 views regarding Kyle Trask and his – Body language following the game, and so many people were coming at me regarding this and saying, "Oh, Tras knows that he has a shot. That's why his body language is like that." I'm thinking, "No, Tras knows that it's over, at least for now." And you can tell by his body language, he's like, "Hey, this is out of my hands." He kind of steps away from the podium, and uh, you know, it's just, it's just very confusing to me because you have players on this team, such as Mike Evans, who say, "I'm ready for this competition to be over with, too." No matter which way it goes, Baker Mayfield was asked by Rick Stroud, I believe it was Thursday, and the, uh, the article came out on Friday, and he said, hey, you know, are you ready for this competition to be over with? And he smiled at Rick Stroud and said, yes, I am. So everybody's ready for it to be over with, but the thing is, the Bucks and their coaching staff are just dragging this along. And, I mean, kickoff just around the corner against the Minnesota Vikings, a reputable team and Minnesota – I just don't like the idea it's a whole new offense with a whole new quarterback system with a new offensive coordinator, two new quarterbacks because Kyle Trask really doesn't have much playing time, and they're both battling it out when in reality the quarterback, the first guy, should be getting reps right now with the starters, especially heading into week three of the preseason.
0: Yeah, three weeks from now, the Buccaneers will be in the third quarter versus the Minnesota Vikings in Minnesota. And you still don't have your quarterback named. You've got star wide receivers that are waiting to see who the quarterback will be because you've got to get that timing down. Of course, now with the preseason only being three weeks, you have basically an extra week and a half before you have to travel to the team that you're going up against if you are the away team like the Buccaneers will be. But still, exactly three weeks from now, the Buccaneers will be in the middle of a football game in a game that counts. And the quarterback situation has still not been defined by the head coach, Todd Bowles. And another thing that's very interesting and not in a good way is the is – the, the non-commonality within these statements coming from Kyle Trask and Todd Bowles. And from what I see, I think that I would go with with uh, Kyle Trask word over Todd Bowles word with just the way that Todd Bowles decides to phrase some of the things that he's talking about. It seems like he doesn't really know what direction he's trying to go with either, or he's trying to really hold, he's trying to hide what direction he's, he's already decided because him saying that Baker Mayfield was going to play in yesterday's game and then Baker Mayfield not even playing after the second string quarterback goes down with an injury and then, the thing with him being Baker Mayfield being cold coming out of the locker room and Kyle Trask not being considering Baker Mayfield was probably throwing on the sideline for most of the game yesterday in New York, but it just, it doesn't really make very much um, sense that that we didn't get to see Baker Mayfield in yesterday's game. But heading into the into week three of the preseason, of course, Mayfield's going to play, Trask is going to play, and uh, I think by then or directly after the game, uh, the Bucs need to make their decision with the quarterback because. Obviously, there's already a feel around camp for who the quarterback's going to be, but Todd Bowles seems like a pretty unpredictable head coach, and I think these players want to have a little bit of stability in knowing who's going to be behind center as your signal caller for the rest of the season um, until
1: one of them gets hurt or one of them does so bad that he gets benched. And obviously, we've been able to see a little bit from both these quarterbacks. Baker Mayfield started the first preseason game. He looks pretty good, played a a little bit over a quarter, actually, into the second quarter. Kyle Trask took over after that in game one of the preseason. And then this past weekend, of course, Kyle Trask started the game. And with the injury to Walford, Kyle Trask came back in in the second half. So he got a lot of playing time. He got a lot of reps, which is a good showcase for him. Because even if it doesn't benefit him right away, if Baker Mayfield goes down or gets benched, they feel decent about what they have in Kyle Trask. At least that's what I think. Um, I didn't see anything too flashy from Kyle Trask. I think he made a couple of good throws and, uh, as Zach Blobner of DAE put out there with the, with the juke move. I thought that was a good juke by Trask as well. He does look a little bit more mobile, a little bit more agile than he has been his past two years in Tampa Bay. But granted, all those years were spent behind Tom Brady and Blaine Gabbert. So how much do we really get to watch Kyle Trask? Not much, if any at all. What have you seen from Kyle Trask? And, I mean, do you think that he's a, a starting cal- – would you feel comfortable with the Buccaneers named him the starter over Baker Mayfield because aside from the money and aside from the fact that you bring in a veteran and Baker Mayfield who is an unproven inconsistent veteran I still think that you know Baker's upside at least for right now is is more beneficial to the team than starting Kyle Trask in the unknown as of right now
0: yeah I would feel I don't think I'd feel confident in that because I kind of treat Kyle Trask right now as a rookie in the NFL obviously he's had reps in preseason games he's of course, competed in training camps with the Buccaneers, in which he didn't look good the first two years, at least from what I heard. And uh, we've seen him in, I think, just one game against the Atlanta Falcons last year, where he looked decent in that game. Of course, the Buccaneers are winning that game, so they took out Brady. But other than that, you haven't seen much out of Kyle Trask, so you don't want to throw him in as the starting quarterback to start the season. And I think that's been the plan all along for Tampa Bay, but. I think you treat it as this. Baker Mayfield's is a veteran quarterback who has potential. He's always had potential, but if he doesn't show his potential by probably week eight, I think you're comfortable throwing in Kyle Trash and seeing what you have with him. And if your team ends up happening to get the first overall pick in the draft, which I don't think is a possibility for Tampa, but I think that they could be top ten, then I think you see what you have in Kyle Trask for the last couple of games instead of riding with Baker Mayfield, who's shown nothing for the first eight weeks. So they've just been trying to get Kyle Trask ready for that situation if that comes up. Of course, as a Buccaneer fan, you want to see Baker Mayfield do good because he is going to be the starting quarterback heading into Minnesota. I, I think everyone knows that. The writing's already on the wall in Tampa Bay. But having Kyle Trask ready and how he's looked this preseason, I think, has, I think he's looked good. I mean, the interception, of course, came on a third and 18. I think people are forgetting about that. But it was a terrible read. Of course, he had the check down. I think that's something that you learn by, and that's going to happen in a preseason game for young quarterbacks. And Kyle Trask is still a young quarterback, and he's still basically a rookie in the NFL heading into the season, just with a little bit more knowledge than, than any other rookie would have. So I like the way they're treating this, but I think Baker Mayfield, I think probably after after the week one's game, should have been named uh, the starting quarterback. And Mayfield definitely, definitely, definitely should have played yesterday because even, even if your team has just won the Super Bowl or even if your team is one of the worst teams in the NFL like the Indianapolis Colts, not playing your starting quarterback that you've already named the starting quarterback in week two of a preseason game because you're scared of injury is a terrible idea regardless
1: of who the guy is. Yeah, and you just kind of segued us there, but real quick before we move on to rookie quarterbacks and one guy being named the starter for week one and not playing in the game two of their preseason you did reference you you liked what the Bucs are doing with the quarterback situation. Is that right? Or were you trying to say about Kyle Trask and what he's done so far?
0: I like what I like what Kyle Trask has done so far. I just think that this the decision should have been already already made after last week. I mean, Trask has looked good. He's just not ready to be a starter yet. But maybe eight weeks into the season after you see Baker Mayfield make a ton of mistakes, if he is not on his A game this year, which he really does have to be because this is most likely his last chance as mm-hmm. a starting quarterback in the NFL. He's in the same boat right now that Marcus Mariota's in. If he goes out there and shits the bed um, until week eight, then you see Kyle Trask come in as the starting quarterback for Tampa Bay, and I think the Buccaneers have a little bit of confidence in the guy because he's shown that he can throw the deep ball now. Of course, the under, it was a bit of an underthrow on the Trey Palmer touchdown, but we got to see a little bit more out of Trey Palmer, who's most likely going to be the Bucks wide receiver three or wide receiver four, depending on how Tompkins is heading into the season. But he's going to be a big part of the offense, and at least Trask got to work with a guy like that. Of course, Trask has not gotten to work with, with Mike Evans or Chris Godwin, neither is Mayfield in these preseason games. But I, I think that both of these guys should have had reps with the ones um, in, in this preseason game in week two. Of course, next week we're hearing that both of these guys are going to play, but we don't know the validity of that statement because it came from head coach Todd Bowles. And uh, I think that's whenever we really get to see who Kyle Trask is because week three of the preseason, most, most teams are going to play their starters for the first quarter. So you'll get to see a little bit more of uh, – of a game simulation in terms of in terms of how week two of the preseason goes to week three, the preseason goes because it'll be more like uh, like a week two NFL NFL game for at least the first quarter. And hopefully um, you get to see Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask versus the starters.
1: Yeah. And you talk about this rookie quarterback situation. We just mentioned a few moments ago, last week on the show, we talked about the rookies that were thrown into the fire per se, the top quarterbacks that were drafted, all are going to be starting this season. Of course, No shock with Bryce Young, no shock with C.J. Stroud. That one's kind of on the fence. But Anthony Richardson over Gardner Minshew to start things in Indianapolis was a bit of a shocker to us. I think both of us felt the same way about that situation, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the Colts named Anthony Richardson their week one starter. He's just a rookie with just a few games, What a little bit over, what, 10, 11, 12, maybe 13 games started for the Florida Gators, and – He's the starter for week one for the Colts. However, he did not play this weekend over the Chicago Bears after being named the starting quarterback for week one. I know he's the starting quarterback week one. I know he's your top four overall draft pick. However, of all the quarterbacks that got drafted this year that are expected to make an impact, expected to be leaders, expected to start, this is the one guy that needed actual reps. They all need reps because they're all rookies. They're all Youngs. They're all Young. Even Bryce Young, speaking of Youngs, is one of those guys that still had to get reps in this preseason. He's gotten a lot of reps in. On the flip side, the one guy in college that didn't see many reps whatsoever in comparison to the other guys is Anthony Richardson, somehow climbs the draft board, gets picked fourth overall, named the starting quarterback for week one, and then doesn't even touch the field in week two against the Chicago Bears. It's preseason, I know that. However, this guy needs reps more than any of the rookie quarterbacks and he's not out there. I think it's a terrible decision by Frank Wright and, of course, Jim Merce. Gardner Minshew, he played in that game against the Bears. It was a 24-17 to win on Saturday over the Bears. It was week two of the preseason. Minshew went 13 of 15, 107 yards passing, a touchdown. Sam Ellinger also threw 14 passes in the victory. But no Anthony Richardson. I think that's a a very stupid decision on the part of the Indianapolis Colts. I'm not entirely sure as to why, if there was any other reasoning than them worried about him getting hurt. But I just don't agree with that whatsoever. I don't think that he's ready for week one. And yeah, he's probably going to start week three of the preseason this week. Okay, great. However, you just took away, even if it were just one drive of reps for him in that offense with the Colts, and they have Jonathan Taylor back, I'm just puzzled by this decision by the Colts in their front office.
0: Yeah, what I've never understood is is teams holding back starters um, in the preseason, especially if you're a team like the Chicago Bears or any other team similar to them, um, like the Indianapolis Colts or some of these some of these teams that do not make the playoffs very regularly. And you're sitting you're sitting your starters in week two and week one of the preseason. What are you doing? Because these guys need the reps regardless of how old they are, and especially if they're if they're a rookie quarterback who barely got any time in college, and whenever he did, he didn't look good till the final four games of his college career. So it really does not make sense that the Indianapolis Colts are not playing um, Anthony Richardson out there in the preseason because, like you said, this guy needs reps. He needed more reps in college. He didn't get them. He, lo- he didn't look great in college, and now he's not getting reps in the NFL, and he's already been named your starting quarterback. So I do not see the the idea behind this because you go out there and you see teams like the, like the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, and you're seeing Patrick Mahomes in week two of the preseason. Why are you not seeing a guy like Anthony Richardson in the preseason? We've already seen CJ Stroud. We've already seen Bryce Young. We've seen Will Levis. Of course, he was a, a second-round pick eventually as the first overall pick in the second round, but these guys need reps, and if your number one overall quarterback needs reps, then so does so does the number four overall pick in this draft and Anthony Richardson, who never even got close to sniffing winning the Heisman like he was suspected to whenever he came out of high school and signed with the Florida Gators. So it, it doesn't make sense that he didn't get to play in week two. And I, I just don't see it. Even, even if like you said, he gets to start in week three, which they said he will, it's just not enough reps heading into the regular season because he hasn't seen live NFL action. And I think you, you, you kind of pace your way into it. He played week one, didn't look good. Why do you sit him in week two and then go out there and, and start him in, in week three versus the starters of another team? It, it makes no sense to me. And I think a lot of these teams that are at the bottom of the league in terms of not making the playoffs and just being like a top 15, 16 pick, Why are you sitting the starters in the first place? And then another thing for the Colts is they've got a new head coach. So why do they not want their their starting quarterback heading into the season, getting some some actual meaningful reps before the regular season starts and you start to be under fire for starting this guy?
1: Yeah, I mean, Anthony Richardson's played 12 games of college football, eight last year, four games the the year prior. And I don't even think he started any, many if any of those four games the year prior. Uh, So for him to be out there, and for them to decide not to play him in week two of the preseason does baffle me a bit. I'm sure even Colts fans, they should be a little bit shocked by that because Anthony Richardson, he does have talent. We all know that. We know that if he does, you know, work on the short yardage passes and consistency and confidence too. This is a guy, and I know that a lot of people are like this. So keep this in mind too when I make this statement. But this is a guy that last year, when he was sky high and playing good, his confidence was. Through the roof. You could tell that he knew he was in the groove. But once something's kind of challenged him and he started to struggle, his body language I'm a big body language guy, if you guys can't tell. If you go look at my Twitter with the Kyle Trash thing, uh, Anthony Richardson's body language last year when struggling was not good and it showed. And uh, if you're in the NFL, you can't really let that show much because the defense is going to eat all over that and they're going to really thrive off that and knowing that, I hate to say it, but this guy might be mentally weak when he's struggling. So you, you got to have a balance. And even if you are losing confidence out there because of a turnover or not scoring points, you, you might show it maybe on the sideline or to yourself, but you can't show it in front of everybody because that just shows that you're, you're vulnerable and it's going to be an issue and he's a rookie. And I, I just think from the jump, just to start this guy right away, not a good call because what, by week five or week six, if he's struggling – which I don't think they should do this. I think the Colts, the expectations are so low this year, in my opinion, that if you're going to go ahead and say that this guy's your week one starter, you ride this guy out the whole year. You can't pull him after week eight, after week 10, like we can with a veteran in Baker Mayfield because we know that Baker's a little bit inconsistent. They only paid him, what, $4 million and some change this year, whereas you took a gamble and jumped the leaderboard, jumped the draft boards with taking Anthony Richardson fourth overall. You can't pull him out at any point this season if you're going to start him week one, no matter what.
0: Yeah, nonverbal communication makes up much more than verbal communication. I think it's like something 65 to 35% in terms of how much nonverbal means to how much verbal communication means. You can say something, and then your body can show the complete opposite. And most of the time, you're communicating nonverbally with somebody else. So have you ever seen a great starting quarterback in the NFL not look confident in a game whatsoever. I mean, you've seen it with Brady a couple of times. He gets frustrated, but he goes out there the next drive and looks <laughs> the same Brady as he was two drives ago. Some of these guys go out there, and you can tell immediately that they don't have the quarterback bone in their body. And there's some guys that can sneak their way through high school, can play pretty good in, in college and not have to be a team leader. But once you make it to the NFL and you're not a quarterback that can lead your team, you're That's never, ever, order. ever going to go far. There's 0% chance you're going to win a Super Bowl. I cannot think of a quarterback that can't lead a team that has won the Super Bowl recently, I, I just, or even really been anywhere near the championship game, besides maybe, I mean, even Nick Foles was leading his team. Uh, even back in the day, Case Keenum with the Vikings was leading his team. These guys are leaders. Even if you're not great, you can go further if you can lead your team. And a guy like Anthony Richardson, and a guy kind of like what we're seeing out of Kyle Trask, who everything that I've seen from Kyle Trask shows me that he's not a leader, um, at least not yet. Of course, he's not. he's never gotten to be the starting quarterback. But what I've seen from him in his body language, like you tweeted out yesterday or posted yesterday on X is that it just looks like he's not a confident guy, even at the podium. It looks like, he, obviously he does. He knows that, that it's not up to him if he's going to be the starting quarterback, but his not his, his nonverbal communication and the way that he moves, the way that he speaks even, which can also be a nonverbal communication, the way you deliver something shows to me that he's not ready to be a starting quarterback. And the same thing goes for Anthony Richardson because I saw him in college football last year. I saw him. I watched the Gators the first three or four weeks because, for some reason, they were primetime football because of this guy. And he would go out there throwing incomplete pass on second down and five on a little on a little dump off route. And third down, he looks like he's not even ready to go out there and complete the next play. So he's not a guy that I think is ready to be the starter. And like you said, Minshew should be the guy to start the year. And even if Minshew does great, and you want to put in Anthony Richardson, based off what you've seen in practice after five or six weeks. You can do that even if your team is 4-1, and one, even if your team is 5-1, and one, even if your team is undefeated and you want to go with Anthony Richardson. You can still do that because he was drafted so high, but to start him early, you can never bench him.
1: Yeah, no, you really can't because then, of course, the fans are going to come after him. Of course, he's going to question himself, and then you're really looking at confidence issue there in the fourth overall draft pick in Anthony Richardson. Moving on to a quarterback that doesn't have any issues with confidence ever and is a guy that – Shows confidence off the field on the Pat McAfee show um, when he's doing sit-down interviews. This guy is very confident that he's cool, calm, and collected. That's how confident he is. But Aaron Rodgers recently did a sit-down interview, and I know we talked about this when he first signed with the Jets a few months back, Spence, and you said that you didn't expect this to be one and done, and I think that Aaron Rodgers kind of referenced that a little bit, too, when he first signed with the Jets. However... I think he's having so much fun this offseason, almost like Brady did with Tampa Bay mm-hmm. back in 2020. A, a refresh start, new look, new chemistry, new teammates, new toys to throw the ball to. And he said in a sit-down interview, why limit it to one year? I don't plan on this being one and done. So Aaron Rodgers uh, wants to play for at least a couple of years and then hands it off back to Zach Wilson, the quarterback, and he says let him run with it for the next 15 years. So – I just, I think that there's a there is a time limit here for Aaron Rodgers. I think if they come out and win it all this year, or if they make a deep playoff run, he's for sure going to be there for at least two more years. After I think if it's kind of a struggle bus season and it's a letdown, he'll play one more year following this year. That's my personal opinion. Uh, I obviously want you to weigh in on this too, but Aaron Rodgers has looked good so far throughout hard knocks at least and had some. Some great chemistry with his teammates. Even Sauce Gardner on the defensive side of the ball has love. I mean, they've got a cool little – it's not my favorite handshake in the world, but it's cool. Like, it's neat to see a quarterback of Aaron Rodgers and the DB, Sauce Gardner, do their little handshake because you never see stuff like that. But talk about you and Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, you followed Aaron Rodgers a little bit more closely than I do as far as his talks, his interviews on the Pat McAfee Show, the whole nine yards.
0: Yeah, I mean, I see Aaron Rodgers and the and the Jets going as far as I saw or maybe even further than I saw Brett Favre and the Vikings going that one year whenever Favre made that boneheaded decision, um, tried to force the ball downfield and the Saints intercepted and ended up winning the game. And I believe that was the uh, the NFC divisional round. So I, I could really see the Jets making it to pass the AFC divisional round, depending on who they're playing, because the AFC can shake out in so many different ways and I think by playoff time, I, you're not going to know who the Jets are going to be facing because I think the Ravens are a team to watch out for again this year with Lamar having a healthy season with a new offensive coordinator who's really good that we've seen have success in Tampa Bay even. Um, you obviously know that the Chiefs are going to be there. The Bengals are going to be there. The, the Bills are going to be there. But I could see Rodgers getting at least past the AFC divisional round and maybe making it to the AFC, conference champion, the AFC championship game or even going as far as to the Super Bowl, like we saw with uh, Tom Brady and Matthew Stafford in back-to-back years. But what I see personally in Aaron Rodgers is a guy that's a calm quarterback. He can control his entire team. He has a good. He he just has a way with speaking to the younger players that he's he's great at connecting with them, um, kind of like Brady was in Tampa Bay. But I kind of see it as as a reverse Brady situation because I don't see the Jets winning at all this season. Just how with just how strong the AFC is, but. And I think, I think maybe next year, whenever one of these AFC teams gets a little bit weaker in terms of it's going to have to be either the Chiefs, the Bengals, or the Bills that are going to get a little bit weaker um, heading into next season. But one of those teams will. And I think that's whenever the Jets will really pounce on that. But the Jets are a team that's got, that are going to be in the playoffs with Rodgers if he can stay healthy. I think their offensive weapons are really good. He's got another good run game there. I think they're missing one other receiver. I think they could use another, another true number two receiver. But other than that, I mean, their defense is top ten in the NFL – They've got a quarterback that barely ever makes mistakes. I mean, how many seasons was it where Rodgers threw under 10 interceptions? Like it was just an asinine number of seasons in a row for him. He doesn't make big mistakes and he makes all the big plays. So he's a quarterback that can lead your team far into the, into the playoffs and maybe even sneak his way into the Super Bowl versus one of these versus one of these NFC teams that regardless of who they play in the AFC, if it's not as long as it's not the Philadelphia Eagles, I think any of the AFC teams will beat the NFC team in the Super Bowl this year. So I mean, Rodgers is a, is a great leader, a great quarterback, and uh, just an overall guy that can that can uh, control an entire locker room and kind of get at every single player on the roster as well. And you've seen that throughout hard knocks. You've seen that throughout interviews and even throughout the Pat McAfee show for the last two or three years.
1: And you talk about Rodgers and the fact that he does not turn the ball over much, if any at all. Yeah, double-digit interception seasons. He's only had three, of which they came last year. He had 12 in 2022. Then the time before that, 2010 he had 11 interceptions and then 2008 he had 13 interceptions aside from that he's had nine interceptions or fewer every year that he's been in the NFL which is that's ridiculous I mean this is a guy that is smart with the football yeah last year he threw a decent amount for him however I mean you give me 13 picks 12 picks I'm like, okay, you know what? This guy, that's fine. That's fine fine with that. Um, We went
0: through 30 with Jameis Winston, and this guy's never thrown over 13 interceptions, and I don't foresee that happening this season with with a great defense. I think Rodgers can be like your guy Nick Wise calls him a game manager, even though I don't agree with whenever he says that. I don't really see Rodgers as a true game manager quarterback. That's a Jimmy Garoppolo type guy. But, I mean, Rodgers this year, all he has to do, is manage the games, get the run game going. And if he can convert the big third downs, if he can still get a little bit a little bit of juice rolling out of the pocket, I mean, this team's going to go far. I mean, the Jets are set up the same way that the 49ers are, except for the Jets don't have a great tight end yet. And those two teams would really balance each other if the 49ers can break that wall and make it to the Super Bowl this year. And that'd be a sweet Super Bowl matchup because they match up so well and Salah's from there. So right now I'm making that my Super Bowl prediction is the Jets versus 49ers, but... Other than that, I mean I think I, I just think that the Jets are gonna go pretty far this year. I have a lot of I have a lot of hope for Aaron Rodgers, and I think it's finally a season where he can kind of sit back a little bit and uh make make a little bit less gigantic, flashy plays like what he had to do in Green Bay for the last two or three years.
1: Yeah, and they've got Dalvin Cook now there as well. And obviously we know that they're trying to figure out their offensive line situation there with the Jets because throughout hard knocks, they have been put on blast. Rightfully so, but I think you have to demand that kind of that kind of performance, that kind of play. You need them to be the best. So I don't have any issue. I know a lot of people had issues with Robert Sala calling out uh, his offensive line and them being okay because <laughs> they have that right. They can tell hard knocks what not to put. Like, hey, don't include that. They let them include him chewing out the offensive line. Not sure if you saw that, but a lot of people are upset over that. I think it's fine. I think for me that would motivate me so much to know like, hey, I just got chewed out on TV. Everybody saw this. My mom, everybody, like everybody saw that. It would motivate me to play better.
0: Yeah, those are just people that cannot take constructive criticism. And, I mean, obviously me and you have never really been around uh, a locker room that really matters. But, I mean, even coming from an NFL fan or coming from – I mean, both of us have been around football for so long. You know that sometimes you have to get yelled at. You have to get your ear chewed off by the coach or else some of these guys who are young offensive linemen and especially in high school, like what we've been around, these guys need to, these guys need discipline. They need to be told that. And I don't think that ever goes away until you're about five or six years into the NFL. I think around then you can kind of get a little bit fed up with your younger head coach chewing you out if you're a little bit older than him. But I think that constructive criticism is something that every single great player has to have. And the offensive line for the Jets does not look great. So for the people, for people to be up in arms about a head coach of an NFL team yelling at his players that are making millions of dollars. I think that's just, I mean, I don't, I'm not going to say the word, but you know exactly what type of behavior that is. That's just, that's soft. That's as soft as it can come. I mean.
1: Yeah, no, it is soft. And I disagree with the whole, but Hey, everybody else is entitled to their own opinion. But I think when it comes to football and these guys doing what they're paid to do and they enjoy the spotlight when it's positive on that show. So if you're going to get some negative spotlight, which really was constructive criticism, you got to be able to roll with it, and obviously fly with the highs, and kind of adjust and negotiate with the lows, and try to you know raise the bar just a little bit and make your averages more high than obviously the the lowest points, the lowest uh, troughs, if you will, the lowest value uh, valleys when it comes to play. But talking about a, a scary situation from over the weekend in the NFL, Isaiah, uh, a guy by the name of Isaiah Bolden, a defensive back the New England Patriots, got hurt late in the fourth quarter against the Green Bay Packers. No, not Aaron Rodgers-led Packers, but the Jordan Love-led Packers, which he looked pretty good in that preseason game. I saw him dropping some dimes, had a great first drive, uh, but this cornerback suffered an injury. It was such a scary collision. He, They were collapsing. He's a defensive back, collapsed with a teammate to make a tackle on a, on a Green Bay Packer player with a football, obviously, and they collided with each other, him and his teammate, and this guy is out looked to be out cold on the field from what little we could see because i know the camera's cut quickly away from it but uh he was definitely out cold with about 10:38 left in the fourth quarter and people are scared because we just witnessed this last year we just witnessed this whole situation i'm going to blank on his name right now as far as who the who Demar, DeMar Hamlin. Hamlin Demar Hamlin and that whole situation i mean that was extremely scary the guy literally died on the field for a few seconds. Well, this guy was out cold on the field, 1038 left in that fourth quarter. And the teams mutually agreed to call the game after that with 1038 remaining. And I think a lot of that also has to do with the fact it was preseason. However, I mean, for them to call a game over this and it's football, football is a dangerous sport. And that's the one thing that I think everybody has to realize is this is a game in which it's a collision every time you play. And we witnessed yesterday a scary situation in which they canceled the game off. And this Isaiah Bolden, who's a Tampa native right here from Tampa Bay, a rookie drafted in the seventh round by the Patriots, uh, got carted off the field. Now, fortunately, he is okay. He has all use of extremities. But still, such a scary situation there. Uh, And that's – I mean, I don't want to sound like too harsh about it. But really, I mean, you're colliding with people left and right. And a scary situation like that is bound to happen at some point.
0: Yeah, I mean, that—that that is just football is like what you're saying because it's going to happen in, in, in basically every every single form of football all the way from high school to the NFL. And with these people that are in the NFL, of course, they're getting paid to put, their, to put their not full lives out on the line, but, I mean, it can go to that extreme. I mean, I don't think the NFL has had a death on the field since like the 1960s was the last time that actually happened. But um, it, it's going to happen. I mean, deaths aren't going to happen, but injuries are going to happen. And like you said, if this wasn't a preseason game, the game would have gone on because the same thing happened yesterday in Tampa with the Buccaneers uh, quarterback in Wolford. He, I mean, he, took a, he, he, t- he got hit in the neck as well. and I mean, this is just going to happen in the NFL, and these guys know that going into games. That's why they want to be a little bit safer with tackling, but it's just never going to get that safe in, unless you go to two-hand touch, and I hope the NFL never goes that way because these guys are getting paid a ton of money, and, and I'm happy that these guys are okay and they make it out all the time. But these instances, if you think about it, are so rare in terms of how many snaps there are per week in this happening. Well, I would say I've only seen this happen a couple of times since Austin Colley with the Indianapolis Colts and Peyton Manning was throwing him hospital passes every week. But this is like the, the first two times that we've seen that. And, of course, this is recency bias with the DeMar Hamlin situation last year, but this does not happen that often. So, I mean, it is, a, it is an issue with any sport that's going to have this much contact. And it's always good to see the players be okay, and I'm happy he's okay. But it's a, it's, a, it's a risk and it's a money-making business for everybody involved in the NFL. And I think everybody from the owners down to the players and down to the, down to the equipment staff, down to everything, are willing to take this risk for the money. And the players are just going to continue to play because this is, these hits are never going to go away because even, even that hit happened so fast and it was against his own player, it's, just, it's kind of just a freak injury, a freak accident that, that's going to happen in games. And uh, it's going to continue to happen. But luckily, both times that it's happened recently, the players have been Okay. And I think that's going to be the trend moving forward is that they're going to try and make the game a little bit safer, but it's going to get annoying because we saw that hit last week with Quan Alexander. I mean, he got fined $40,000 for a hit against, yeah. his old te- against his old team. And the thing with that is, is I saw today that veterans only get paid $3,000 per preseason game. So he was fined. What is that? 13 times how much he was getting paid for that game. I mean, that, I think that's just a little bit too far. And I think that's the way that the NFL is trending right now. But luckily, most of these bad hits happen in the regular season. And the guys that are playing in the regular season are making the big bucks. They're making millions of dollars. And I think if you, have that athletic, if, if you or I had that athletic ability and we know that that was a possibility heading into each game, I think we're still strapping up the boots and playing because that's a risk you're willing to make or willing to take for millions of dollars each and every year. I mean, it's, it's 100% worth it for these players. And it just happens so so few and far between that I don't really see it as a huge issue.
1: Yeah, and again, obviously talking about the money side too, but also these guys, they've put so much time and effort and you know, discipline into their workout routine, their practice routine, what they eat, their nutrition, their hydration, because they love the game of football too. It just so happens to be that this is their profession that they make unreal amounts of money in, so you add the money also on top of their passion. Yeah, I mean, they're taking the risk or else they wouldn't play football because they know dating back to rec ball, hey, there's a chance that you hit helmets here. There's a chance that you have to go to the hospital after the You know, you just never know. So, yeah, a very scary situation dating back to DeMar Hamlin last year and everyone weighing in, of course, on Twitter. And it was so unreal to me how down the line it was as far as, hey, let's call off this game and everybody else saying, hey, let's resume the game. So just like with everything, there's always someone on the other side. There's got to be a group of people with you, a group of people against you. And I think that these players know exactly what they sign up for. And when something like that does happen once in a blue moon, it is a wake-up call for everybody because they're like, hey, I do. I've always acknowledged the risks of playing the game of football. But this puts it into perspective that it really can't happen to anybody. It's a preseason game. It's the fourth quarter, a seventh-round draft pick, and Isaiah Bolden, and boom, runs into his own teammate on what was a routine hit where they collapsed defensively Head on, on, and next thing you know, he's out cold on the field. So just, uh, you know, you just got to be one to uh, recognize. And this is a guy that's obviously trying to fight for playing time too, trying to make the roster as well. So this is a different situation. Um, This is a guy who doesn't make tons of money. And in regards to most people that don't play professional football, yeah. But as far as the guy who's putting his body out on the line like that, and in comparison to guys that have been in the league for years or higher round draft picks, he makes very little money. So, I mean, he he tweeted last night, thanks for the support, and he's already eager to get back out there with his teammates just like that. So even a guy in his shoes that doesn't make crazy amounts of money isn't going to be a starter this year, already back at it and wants to play football again. So, I mean, they know the risk, the reward, and, and obviously the reward for him is making the team and making more money eventually down the road and getting to play for uh, the great Bill Belichick.
0: Yeah, the last thing I want to say here is the thing that I always find funny with with – with with injuries such as concussions or getting knocked out is one thing that the doctors always say to do is stay away from your phone, stay away from any type of screen time. You're not even supposed to watch TV after a concussion for I think a, a couple of days. And these athletes are getting home two hours after getting knocked out on the field, getting a ter- definitely a concussion for this guy. I mean, if you're knocked out, you've got a concussion and he's out there tweeting two hours later just to tell people that he is okay. So that means that this guy's okay, but hopefully that they learn to stay off their phones and, and hopefully their agents will just start tweeting it for them instead of the players having to, having to risk some, uh, some brain damage further on from, from getting on your cellular device after such a, such a tough injury to happen. But it's a great thing that this guy's okay. It's a great thing that, that uh, DeMar Hanlon's okay. And both these guys are back on the field playing. Next All right, week.
1: guys, I, I couldn't agree more. And maybe he passed the phone off to his brother or to his mom or to his dad, his girlfriend, his wife, whatever, and she tweeted for him or he <laughs> tweeted for him, whatever. So that's what I would do. I know not everybody is the same, but I think that's the right call. Thank you guys for joining us here again. And we'll be back next week with a lot more to come into uh, the first week of the opening kickoff in the NFL. And, of course, we're going to have to see how this quarterback situation plays out across the league, plays out with the Buccaneers too. Thanks for tuning in.